Father, we look to you alone, Jesus, and we trust you and we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would heal us and you would give us victory in all the things that are, we're going through, in all the struggles that we have, and in all the, the deep hurts that we're dealing with, and then maybe the uncertain steps, maybe pregnancies or sickness, Lord, we place them all in your hands. We're going to believe that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the text that we're going to study today is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And most of you have this text already memorized. And so it's a, it's a powerful text. And it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I didn't even have to try to memorize that this week. I've never tried to memorize that, but I've thought about it so many times because God, it's like God just always brings us back there when we're having a rough time, doesn't he? He's like, remember this. I'm anxious. Oh, you shouldn't be anxious. What's that verse again? Oh, Philippians 4. And we go back there and we read it and we read it. So I'm telling the truth when I say I've never tried to memorize that verse. God has engraved it on my heart. How many of you have that verse engraved on your heart as well? So deep. I don't even have to say anything today. I, I, I was talking with Kurt, and I was like, maybe I won't say anything. Maybe we'll just read the verse and be done. Because God has, has already done so much of the work. But then I decided, no, I'll go ahead and talk. <laughs> Hezekiah was a good king. Hezekiah was, was almost one of the best kings that Israel ever had. He was a really good guy. He had a, he had a, a deep relationship with God, but God wanted to take him deeper. Just like you. You're good people for the most part. I look around. Meh. We're, we're all right. But a lot, a lot of you know God. You believe in God, but God, he's not satisfied yet. He wants to take you deeper. So what happened with Hezekiah is that he was just minding his own business one day, and then Shennacherib, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, sent him a message saying, I'm going to come kill you. I'm going to come attack Israel, and I'm going to get you, and don't you even think I'm not, because I'm gonna. Oh, man. Well, this was a major problem. The Assyrians had a reputation. And let me explain to you what that means, that they had this reputation. They were the most brutal and harsh culture up to that point. This is what they were known for. They would take the heads of their enemies and decapitate them when they would conquer a city. And then they would make a pile of those heads in the form of, a, of like a pyramid in front of that city, and they would not let anyone touch that for years and years and years after. It was brutal. They also would take the leaders of the city and impale them on sticks. 
and put them at the front of the city and all around the city, up through the backside, up through the top of the head. Awful, awful culture. But their enemies got the point. That was a joke. <laughs> Sorry. Bad joke. Boo, you can boo me. All right. So Sennacherib, he's coming down with 185,000 men in his army. They're just like, you can just picture them foaming at the mouth and crazy makeup. I don't know. I just picture them like Lord of the Rings orcs, you know. Rah. And Hezekiah, he came up with a couple plans. Now, this is crazy because he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go to the temple. <laughs> But instead of talking to God, he took the gold from the temple and he shaved it off of all the stuff and he got big piles of gold and he sent it to Sennacherib as a bribe. And he said, please don't come down. Here's a bunch of gold. Well, do you think that worked? No. Sennacherib is like, where did this come from? Hmm, I'm definitely coming down now. It backfired in Hezekiah's face. Because this was Hezekiah's self-sufficiency. What do I have that can fix my problems? What is, it, what is there intrinsically about me that I could look to? How can I look inside to fix what I'm going through right now? Okay? So it backfires because God refuses to allow us to be self-sufficient. And this is one area of Hezekiah's life. Even though he's a good guy, one area that God is like, no, I will not allow you, my child, to be self-sufficient. You must be dependent on me. You have to be dependent on me. My child, stop being self-sufficient. So God causes this to fail. Why, when I try so hard to stop drinking, does God let me fall? Not that I have that problem. This is an example. But it's, that's okay if I do. Let me back up. Why do we fail so often when we try? Because God doesn't accept that. He, does, he never says in the Bible, try your hardest. He refuses that. And if you do that as his child, he will purposely cause you to trip up and fall so that you learn that there is nothing in your temple valuable enough to bribe Sennacherib, to bribe this problem. You can't bribe it. You don't have it in you to win this battle. And there's some battles we just can't win. But that doesn't mean we don't have victory. We'll learn about that as we progress here. Self-sufficiency backfires, of course, for Hezekiah. So Hezekiah has option number two, plan number two. I'm going to call a friend. He's got a lifeline. So he calls Pharaoh down in Egypt. And Pharaoh, he's pretty popular at this point in history because he's got a bunch of chariots. And people like his chariots. They're like tanks. And he's got this army. And Pharaoh kind of likes to be used as a mercenary. He likes to fight other people's wars so that he can make a lot of money. And so Pharaoh's like, I'm for sale. And Hezekiah says, I know what I'll do. I'll call the Egyptians. But Egypt is a, t a type and a symbol of what in the Bible? Anyone know? The world. The world. Oh, if I don't have it in me, maybe I can go to someone in the world 
that can assist me, help me have victory over my problem, my challenge. It's funny how our trying and our schemes always lead to failure, because the only things we tend to try are ourselves and the world. And a lot of people say, "I've tried God." Have you? Because most people only try themselves. Oh, I'm going to read the Bible a lot, and I'm going to do my best to keep all His commands. That's trying yourself, or try the world. Well, the world says real religion is is just accepting everybody and being peaceful and just la.、Well, um. We either try ourselves or we try the Lord. Well, at this point in the story, Hezekiah. Is not trusting in the Lord, so his buddy Isaiah, we know Isaiah because he wrote a big old book. He stands up, and he gives some wisdom to Hezekiah.、And、this is what he says in Isaiah chapter thirty. He says, "Woe to the rebellious children," says the Lord, "that take counsel, but not of me." They go to counselors, they have their psychologists, they do their best even, but they're gonna be in trouble because they're not coming to me, and they cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. They walk to go down to Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth. What did Hezekiah forget to do? Pray to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. He doesn't even call Egypt a real thing; he calls them a shadow. They have no substance; they're not going to be able to help. He says, "Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be to your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion." You're going to be ashamed at the end of this situation, and you're going to be more confused than you were at the beginning. I tried. I don't know what happened. What's going on in my life? Ah. For the verse seven, for the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. The God saying, "I've cried. I've cried out concerning this. Their strength is to sit still." Verse fifteen: For thus shall the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, thus, thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel: In returning and rest shall you be saved; in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. You said, "No, we are going to flee upon our horses." Therefore, you shall flee. We will ride upon the swift. Therefore, they shall pursue you. They who pursue you shall be swift. So all of that, God is saying, it is not going to work. All your self-sourced efforts, and all of your worldly friends and worldly advice that you get, will not work. In fact, I'm going to make it not work. I'm going to make you run away from your enemies in fear and in losing these battles. And I'm going to make your enemies even faster, so you know it's not going to work because I'm going to actually help your enemies. But that's not what I want to do. 
What do I want you to do? I want you to return and rest. Return to me and rest. That's where your confidence and strength would be, he says. You can't call out to the world for help when you're in trouble. To counselors, to organizations, to friends, to teachers. I don't have time to seek the Lord. I got to go to my psychologist. I got an appointment. I'm trying to obtain worldly wisdom is what you're saying. I'm too busy stripping the temple of gold. The things God has given me, I'm trying to spend figuring things out myself. Yes, God has made you smart. He's given you wisdom. That's the gold of your temple. Don't waste it by trying to do things you shouldn't be doing, like bribing Sennacherib, trying to figure out your own problems with your own strength. Why do we go to people when the Lord is at hand? The last verse we studied, the last couple verses we studied, he said, let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. God is real. God is here. And he wants to be your help. He wants you to be so confident in that and sure of that, that going to the world doesn't even seem like a smart option to you. It doesn't, it doesn't jive with the way that you think. He's such a good father, but we treat him like a distant, creepy uncle. Well, if I need money, I call that uncle. Again, our text for today. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In this verse, it uses the word prayer, Anna says the word supplication. And that's a word we don't toss around. Hey, how's your supplication life going? We don't use that word in English anymore, do we? <laughs> well, the word prayer here in Greek is just the general term for communing with God. Just the conversations you have with God. But supplication is a more specific, I have a need, and so I offer a supplication, a specific prayer is what that means. So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So we don't just generally hang out with God. He says it's okay to bring me all of your specific needs. It's okay. In fact, that's the way into this peace. Bring me all of your needs. Well, that seems like I'm going to have to pray all the time. Bingo. There you go. And then he says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Now this is really the key, the glue that holds it all together. Because when you're able to give thanks in prayer, that is your way of surrendering. Actively surrendering. It's saying, okay, Lord, I need a thousand bucks for rent. I've been working hard. I've been honoring you. So I know this isn't discipline. This is a test. And I'm going to trust you and I ask you to provide for me, your child. I trust you, Lord. I provide. And now I give thanks. I thank you, God, that you will provide for me. I thank you that you'll always provide for me. And if you want me to die, I thank you that I'll die in your arms. 
I thank you. See how much surrender your heart has to have to be able to give thanks? You have to, you have to say, not my will, but your will be done. We have to trust that he sees what we can't see. Maybe he's waiting to give you that money until he works in someone else's heart for them to bless you. And now he's worked in their heart to surrender. He's worked in your heart, trust. And now God has been glorified in a much bigger way than if you would have just had the money in the beginning. But we don't like all that. We like to just have the money in our bank account. We love that security. And God's like, stop trusting in Egypt. I am your security. I have promised you I'll take care of you. Stop trusting in Egypt. And we're going to keep doing this until you want to trust me. Because you're my child and I'm committed to teaching you. So he says, be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Richard Fuller is a 19th century minister. You know I love these 18th century guys. And he told of a, of a seaman who said, in fierce storms, we must put the ship in a certain position and keep her there. This, Christian, is what you must do. You must put your soul in one position and keep it there. You must stay upon the Lord. And come what may, wind, waves, cross seas, thunder, lightnings, frowning rocks, roaring breakers, no matter what, you must hold fast your confidence in God's faithfulness and his everlasting love in Christ Jesus. I like that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Jesus promises that if you'll come to him, set your ship on him, commune with him, bring your specific needs to him, and openly trust him that he will always respond with at least one very special gift. And that gift is peace. Peace that passes understanding. Notice that peace doesn't mean easy. It doesn't. Jesus never promised easy. He only promised help. In fact, he told us to expect tribulations and trials, didn't he? He also said that if we call to him in those trials and in those tribulations, he would give us this peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. No matter what hardships we're faced with, we can ask for and receive this peace that comes from the powerful love of God. And it's not dependent on your strength. It's not dependent on your situation. It's not dependent even on how faithful you are, how wonderful you are, or how much you deserve it. God says, I will give it to you because I love you. That's it. And I'm powerful enough to give it to you. You're like, but I'm an idiot. I don't deserve peace. God's like, I know, but I'm still going to give it to you. If you come to me, turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Now, this peace, we got to understand, doesn't fix all the problems right away. Because, listen, it doesn't need to. Jesus has already fixed all problems. 
He's already fixed them. And the peace that we receive from Jesus is centered on trusting his power and love, that he has a plan. And it's centered on death. And his plans take a weird turn that we don't always understand. And they always tend to involve death first. And then after that comes glorious resurrection and life. But death seems to come first. It's his plan. And it's the, his, Jesus' plan is always centered on this death on the cross. And it ends with your victory over everything that you're going through. So in John 16, 33... Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Where's the peace? In him. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There you have it, he says. You have permission. You are allowed this peace. You have permission to have peace. Yes, there will be trials in your life. But as a believer, you are also entitled not only to trials, but you're entitled to this supernatural peace. And everyone I know, the very simple truth is that you either believe it and receive this peace, or you don't believe and you don't receive it. The problem is not Jesus. He's promised trials to everyone's life. He says your life's going to suck. You will get cancer. You will die. That's Adam's fault. Blame him. Actually, Eve, but whatever. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, Jesus says, I've already taken care of this. When the doctor comes in and says, it's terminal, cancer, sorry. God says, I knew already. And guess what? I have something for you. Peace. Peace that passes understanding. You get this by faith, by trusting God and believing his promises. So how does it work, this gift of peace? Jesus promises that he will give peace to everyone who comes to him. Well, if you back up a couple pages to John 14, verse 27, Jesus says it like this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So again, he's giving you permission to not worry about it. But I'm going to die. It's okay. Why is that okay? Because Jesus loves you. And he's going to be with you. And he works all things what? For good. To his children, he works them all for good. You can know that and believe that. And believe me, it changes you in your trials. And the world doesn't ever have this. Because when they get the news, when they face the trial, all they have is what's inside them, the gold in their temple or the Egyptians. Those are their only two options. Hezekiah was a bad example in this story. But just wait. Just wait. This is a gift that Jesus offers you. Anyone ever leave gifts under the Christmas tree? You ever put away your Christmas tree two months later and find, well, three months later if you're our family, and find a gift that you forgot to open? 
What do you feel like when you find that? Oh, I missed out on so much joy. I could have opened this. I could have had so much fun. What is it? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot this. You feel so like you missed out, like you're disappointed. Trust me, that's what a lot of us will feel like when we get to the end and realize that we could have had peace. Instead, we live like a stressed out, crazy person our whole life. His promises are there if we reach out and grab them. Don't forget it under the Christmas tree. Grab it. Open it. What do we grab? We grab peace. A deep internal peace is yours when you pray with a surrendered heart. When you're willing to give thanks in all things, even for all things. But here's the crazy thing. It's a peace that passes understanding. So you will not be able to understand it. That's what that means. Or explain it. It will just be a deep internal peace. You will only be able to enjoy it and experience it. And the world will be like, you're weird. And you're like, I know, I don't even understand it. But God is so good to me. And I'm really not freaking out right now. But you should be. Well, God maybe gave me this problem so that you would see me not freak out so you would turn and see how good he is too because god loves us and we need to be careful not to seek a peace that comes from understanding if god has promised you a peace that passes understanding stop seeking a peace that comes from understanding and we see this all the time i just wish i understood why My life was so hard. Why did my parents do this? Why? Why? Will never lead you to peace. It says right here, the only peace that God gives is a peace that passes understanding. Stop asking why. It's a a heart that has not yet learned to trust God's love and power. A heart that has not yet learned to surrender, but a heart that wants to, why do I have to surrender? Why is this happening in my life? That's not the right question to ask. It will lead you nowhere. Do I understand the question? Yeah, I do understand it because I want to know why too. But I also now understand that God doesn't care if I know why or not. That has nothing to do with his relationship with me. There are things that I will never understand and things that if I did understand, I wouldn't agree with. So he just says, let's bypass all that and I want you to be able to draw near to me without any sort of hindrance. You don't have to understand why I do things or why I don't do them. I'm still going to give you presence and you can just be like, why do you love me so much? That's a great question to ask. That's a great way to go. I wish they sold In-N-Out burgers at McDonald's. And I ask myself, why do they not sell In-N-Out burgers in Colorado? And I'm not happy with the answers I get. Fly your beef to Colorado. I don't care. Trucking companies. Well, the reason why In-N-Out is not sold in McDonald's is because it's not sourced from McDonald's. That's not the source. And the source of peace 
is the powerful love of Jesus, and it is not understanding. We got to put understanding in its right, proper place. Understanding's fine, but you don't need it to have peace. In fact, God's peace is not found there. No one ever said, oh, I understand the world, now I have peace. No, the world is messed up, and if you understand it, you're going to be more stressed out. Your body has more problems. Probably half of us have cancer right now. And it's fine, because God's peace is not in circumstances, and it's certainly not in understanding how bad things are. I could go into politics, but I'm not. We're not reaching up in faith to understand. Are you getting that? We are reaching up in the full surrender of thankfulness for his promised peace. And then what that leads to is you're unafraid. When you have this peace, you're unafraid. And you can all be unafraid today, right now. It's possible. It's not possible. It's given to you. You can just choose it or not. By surrendering in thankfulness to the Lord. God doesn't call us... Well, here's a quote, a good quote by uh, Francis Chan. You ever heard of him? Great books, Crazy Love is a good book. He says this in that book. God does not call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. Wow. We're not afraid to put ourselves, oh, if God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to be sunk. But I like living in that place. Or if God doesn't come through for me, I will not pay my bills. If God doesn't come through for me, I will die. And God loves to come through for us. Hmm. Questions for you. This is the, the introspective, like, are you hearing what I'm saying part of the sermon. Do you fear that God will let you down? Do you think there is only one way for God to save you? By answering your prayer the way you prayed it. Do you believe that your happiness or your peace is dependent on another person? Maybe their love, their faithfulness, their approval, or, or a situation, God, I will only be happy if this happens or if that circumstance changes or you heal my cancer or you don't take away my child. Or, second set of questions, can you trust that God will never let you down? Do you believe that? That he can and will Find many ways to save you that may be different than what you considered or may even include your death or pain for a short period of time, but will end with you being saved. Can you trust that you will be okay with God's love alone? Even if all men betray you, hate you, cheat on you, hurt you, that you will be okay with God's love. Even if you get sick, fired, thrown in jail, or die, God's love is all you need. Do you believe that? If the second set of questions seems foreign to you, then you need to pray. Prayer. You need to have this peace that we're talking about. 
not just to know about it, but to receive it. To reach out your hand and say, I'm done worrying about my life. I want to turn my life over to you. I want to trust you with it. I know you care about my life more than I do. I believe that. So why am I so stressed about seeing one thing happen or another? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to turn it over and say, Lord, let your will be done and not mine. We need to come to Jesus and commune with him, talk with him, give thanks to him, believing his awesome love for you that will never fail. Believing Romans 8.28, which says, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It will change you. Your anxieties will fade away in the light of his powerful love. Now, go back real quick to our story of Hezekiah, because the story actually wasn't done. We took a pause in the middle to study scripture, and now we go back to our story of Hezekiah. So he, hears, he heard what Isaiah told him. Isaiah said all that stuff about Egypt, and those who trust in Egypt are going to fall, and, and all that stuff. So Hezekiah's like, whoa, bro, I have been rebuked. I received this rebuking. And Hezekiah decided to not send any more gold, to not call down to Egypt, and instead he decided to what? To pray, to pray. He changed direction. He, what's the word for that? Repent. He repented. He received a letter from Sennacherib that said, I'm going to get you. So Sennacherib, he was on his way down to get him. And then he heard that there was another war in another part of the country. So he went and fought that war. But he sent a letter to Hezekiah and he said, I'm going to get you. And don't go calling Egypt because they're not going to help you. I'm going to beat them too. And don't think that your puny God will save you from my hand. And Hezekiah got this letter. He's like, you know what? I don't believe that. What do you really believe? That your God can be intimidated? That your God can be beat? Or do you really believe that your God is the maker of heaven and earth? That he cannot lose? And that he has promised his love to you and not your enemies, to you? Hmm. So, in 2 Kings 19... Hezekiah, verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter and he went from the hand of the messengers and he read it and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord just like you guys have done today. Come into the house of the Lord. And he spread it out before the Lord. This is great instruction for how we have anxiety for nothing but with prayer and supplication, present our request. He presents it before the Lord. He spread it out. Then verse 15, then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and he said, O God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, and all the kingdoms of, the, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, who he has, or which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, the Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste uh, the nations and their lands, talking about their reputation, and have cast their gods into the fire. 
For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord God, I pray, save us from his hand, from all the kings, kingdoms of the earth, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. So Hezekiah prayed. He brought it to the Lord. And the Lord completely ignored him. No. Because that's not God's heart. God will always answer your prayers. And Hezekiah's prayer here, it was full of surrender. It was full of the right things. It was full of a humble heart that trusted that God was his father. And the Assyrians came to Israel a few days later. They surrounded Jerusalem. There was no hope for victory. There was no worldly way that they could figure their way out of this one. They were dead meat. But that night, the sun went down and the angel of the Lord, our Jesus, went out and killed 185,000 men in one night. The most impossible, the craziest victory you could ever imagine. God just did it like that. Just easy. Oh, I could just go out 185,000 in one. Just easy. Unbelievable. Turn your cares and turn them into prayers. Take your cares and turn them into prayers. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus has another name, the Prince of Peace. He did a good job guarding Israel that day, didn't he? There is no extent to how far he will go to guard your heart and mind. He will defend you. God invites us to give our cares over to him. And in exchange, he offers us his peace, Jesus himself. Through the love and power of Jesus, you can see this in your life. It's scary. It takes a, a step of faith to really let go and trust his plan and his answers. It kills your pride. When you say, I'm going to stop trying or worrying and I'm going to pray instead. It's a, it's, that's the step of all steps. That's faith. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he what? Cares for you. Hezekiah failed at first. He looked to the world. He called to Egypt, but then he repented. And then he prayed to the Lord and said, he sought the Lord, he put himself under the hand of God, and like Francis Chan said, he was willing to put himself in a place where if, he, if the Lord didn't show up, he was screwed. He was willing to put himself in danger to trust the Lord. How do we have victory in prayer? We need to repent. We need to pray before we worry. We need to thank God and trust him before we doubt him. That's victorious prayer. 
doubt is cast out of victorious prayer. So I'm going to trust you, God. Even how Job said it. Job said, even if he slay me, I will trust in the Lord. This world doesn't understand that. What do you mean if God kills you, you're going to keep trusting him? Most of all, we need to live in total dependence upon our Heavenly Father. He has proven his love and power when Jesus died on the cross. His love and power are available continually to us through the Holy Spirit living inside us. Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things? There are answers to your prayer, and they're all wrapped up in Jesus. There is no such thing as a situation that deserves your worry. Stop it. Stop worrying. You can't control a single thing, and it's so wonderful to accept that. What makes it wonderful? His love. It's the victory that he has overcome the world, that he has offered himself to fix everything. First John says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We demonstrate our faith when we pray. Praying with faith is how you pray victoriously. I could have just said that at the beginning, but I thought I'd take up an hour of your time explaining with Hezekiah and everything like that. It's, it's good though, right? The Lord is so good. He's so good. Well, I was going to do a whole big thing on, on uh, Psalm 3. So if you have time this week, go and read Psalm 3 and see how David what, responded to this invitation to, ca- to, to trust the Lord with his problems, to, to pray victoriously. Look at Psalm 3. Spend some time there. Again, anchor groups this week. There's still BK's anchor group on Thursday night. Prayer and worship here at the church Thursday night. Mine I can't do because Dana's going to be out of town. So don't come to mine Wednesday night. Canceled. And Nitty Gritty canceled this week. But, and Sandra's anchor group Friday night. 